to the High Praises Church podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. I told First Service this, I know I'm in the right place because what I want to talk about today is the song that they sung, There Is Nobody Like Our God. And that's the message that God has given me today. Isaiah chapter 46, I'm going to read seven verses, so bear with me. The Bible says, Baal bows down, Nebo stoops. Their idols were on the beast and on the cattle. Your carriages were heavy loaded, a burden to the weary beast. They stoop, they bow down together. They could not deliver the burden, but have themselves gone into captivity. Listen to me, O house of Jacob, and all the remnant of the house of Israel, who have been upheld by me from birth, who have been carried away from the womb. Even to your old age, I am he. And even to your gray hairs, I will carry you. I have made and I will bear. Even I will carry and will deliver you. To whom will you liken me and make me equal and compare me that we should be alike? They lavish gold out of the bag and weigh silver on the scales. They hire a goldsmith and he makes it a god. They prostrate themselves. Yes, they worship. They bear it on the shoulder. They carry it and set it in its place, and it stands. From its place, it shall not move. Though one cries out to it, yet it cannot answer, nor save him out of his trouble. You can be seated in the presence of God. Again, you look beautiful in the presence of God to our online streaming audience. We welcome you to our service today, and we thank God today as we deal with there's nobody like our God. There's nobody like our God. High praises this morning. I have a simple disclaimer for us today. There's three ways that you can live your life. Three ways that you can live your life out. You can live your life out the culture's way. You can live your life out the church's way. And you can live your life out the king's way. And these three lanes of living leads to three different levels. As a matter of fact, I would say two of them are levels, but one of them is a different dimension. When we get to the level of the king's way, God puts us in the realm of another dimension. And the lane that you run in determines the life that you live on. I need you to hear that. The lane that you run in determines the life that you live on. My disclaimer about these three areas of life is living the culture's way leads to sinking. Living the church's way leads to surviving. Living the king's way leads to thriving. I need you to hear me today. If you live the the, the culture's way, God told us, do not be conformed to the ways of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. If we live the culture's way, it will lead us to sinking because the culture is not God's way at all. When we come into the house of God and we begin to live the church's way, we can live the church's way, but the church's way will lead us to surviving. I know some of you don't want to hear that because you think to yourself, I got in church and the church is all I need, but the church leads us to surviving. We do things the way God tells us to do it, but I'm going to tell you there's another level. And when you get to the level of living the king's way, The king's way will lead you to living a thriving life. 
And I don't know about you. I don't want to sink. I did that while I was a sinner. I don't want to just survive. I've done that long enough in my life. I want to thrive. Do I have some witnesses in the house today? I want to thrive. I find that this is serious because we all must take this to heart that every day of our lives as Christians, we're presented with three different roads. And we all must choose which one we're going to travel. The scripture says in Proverbs 16.25 that there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is death. Every day we wake up, there's roads that appear before us and they all look right. They seem right. But if we're not walking in the Holy Ghost, if we're not walking in the Holy Spirit, those roads only lead to death. This, my brothers and sisters, is the struggle of our flesh. This is why I believe today it is so imperative that we try our best to live out the scriptures. The Bible says in Galatians 5.16, it says, this I say then, walk in the spirit. This is, this, is, this is not a suggestion. This is written in the imperative tense. This is, this is God giving us a command. Walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of your flesh because they war one against the other. This, this phrase, walk in the spirit, means one interpretation said, keep cadence with the Holy Ghost. Keep cadence. The, the Holy Spirit has a beat. He has a sound. And I don't know about you, but I want to stay in cadence with, with God. When he says left, I want to be left. When he says right, I want to be right. Amen, somebody. When he says stop, I want to stop. When he says go, I want to go. I don't want to do what the world says, but I want to keep cadence with the Holy Spirit of our God. Amen. And so we deal with, what we deal with is we deal with three enemies every day of our lives, every single one of us. I know some of you have been saved for a long time. I know you've been walking with Jesus for a long time, and I know you're not tired yet. I know you saved, sanctified, Holy Ghost filled, fire baptized, running for your life. But I want to talk about me for a moment. Every day of my life, I wake up. I don't know about you, but I got to deal with three different areas or three different enemies. I got to deal with, number one, the devil. Number two, I got to deal with the world. And number three, I got to deal with me. Did y'all hear what I just said? Every day of my life, I wake up, I got to deal with the devil I got to deal with the world. These are three enemies of our lives, and I got to deal with me. When I'm dealing with the devil, I thought about this thing. Acts chapter 2, along with Joel chapter 2. Joel chapter 2 was prophetic. Acts chapter 2 is fulfillment. It says, in those days, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all flesh. I thought about that thing, and I said, okay, if God is pouring out his spirit, what do we think the devil is doing? Because God is a paraclete. He's osmosis. He, he creates from nothing because he is the source. He is the only source. There is no other source, so he doesn't need any source to draw from but himself. So in Genesis, when it says, let there be, there was nothing from God to make it from but his thoughts and his voice. And whatever God said, let be, it came to pass because he is the only source. And so if God is osmosis, if God is a paraclete, guess what? Satan is a parakeet, Polly want a cracker. So if God is pouring out his spirit, the devil is pouring out his spirit also upon all flesh. So we daily have to deal with the devil. Number two, I got to deal with the world. The Bible tells us to be friends with the world means to be an enemy of God. So every day of my life, I have to fight 
The desires, watch this, in my flesh not to do things the world's way. Yeah, people still make you mad. People still get on your nerves. All of these different things, are you going to handle it God's way? Or are you going to handle it the world's way? And then number three, you got to deal with that flesh, which is tying in with the world. I've, I've coined this one time as World War Me. Amen. My stinking thinking. Amen. Is a danger to what God wants to do in our lives. It is toxic to what God wants to do. I told you last time I preached that we think that we know our hearts, but Jeremiah told us that the heart is deceitful. We really don't even know ourselves until something produces and then our flesh reacts and what comes out comes out. Amen. So that's why it's important to walk with God every day of our lives and then we stay safe in the presence of God. First John chapter two, verse 16. All that is in the world. Watch this. Lust of the flesh. Lust of the eye. Pride of life. All that is in the world, lust of the flesh, lust of the uh, eyes, pride of life. This is the same thing that Satan tempted Eve with in the Garden of Eden. He shows up and says, what did God say? And she said, we can have anything in the garden except this one tree. And Satan says, did he really say that? And so he, look, look, this is what Eve was, she dealt with. She dealt with, watch this, lust of the eye. It looks good. She dealt with, she dealt with uh, uh, the lust of the flesh. It, it tastes good. And then she dealt with the pride of life. I'll be just like God. It's the same temptations that you and I have to deal with every day of our lives. This is why I believe it's so important that we understand a few things in the scriptures. Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5 begins to break down two men. It breaks down the first man, Adam, and it breaks down the second man, Adam. The first man, Adam, in Genesis, he produced for us a heart of stone that could not no longer take us into the presence of God and get us what we needed. But the second man, Adam, Jesus Christ, amen, Jesus came to give us a heart of flesh. Listen what the scripture says. Listen, Ezekiel 36, 26, it says, I will give you a heart of flesh. This is what it says, Ezekiel 36, 26. It says, then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. We're going to talk about idols in a moment. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And you will keep my judgments and do them. God, church, wants to give us a heart of flesh that is regenerated by the vicarious atonement of Jesus Christ at Calvary, but it is infused, filled, and empowered by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. This, my brothers and sisters, is how you and I are going to make it every day of our lives. Waking up daily, understanding that when I confess Jesus on whatever my spiritual birthday was, it's not the only day that I have to say, Lord, here I am again. But every day that I wake up, confession is still good for every single one of us. I did it yesterday, Lord, but I'm here to say do it again. Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit yesterday, but that was yesterday's work. Today is a new work. I need you to fill me with your Holy Spirit all over again. Amen. And that's how, friends, we're going to make it. Now, Let's turn the corner here for a moment. Let me ask a question. 
What idols do you have in your life? I know, I know, I know. Some of you saying, Pastor, <laughs> Pastor T, I hear you, but uh, that, I, I'm good in that area. I, I don't have any idols. I, I'm, I'm going to tell you about me. Um, in my unsaved life, you know, of course, I wasn't living for Christ, but, you know, I bought this new car. And um, it's brand new, man. I, I love that car. I put a, like, watch this. I put a lot of time in that car. Put a lot of money in that car. I put a lot of time in that car. My wife, she's not in, she was in first service, but my wife can tell you when I met her, you know, she got in my car after I had cleaned it up. And I don't know if you brothers like me, man, when I cleaned, I, I was cleaning, you know, I was polishing and cleaning and everything else. I, oh, don't touch my windows. I, I Windex my windows. Don't touch it. Don't want no spots on my windows. I don't want no fingerprints, no hair prints, none of that on my windows. See, see, I, 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 I didn't know it. My mother told me one day, she said, boy, you worship in that car. No, I'm not. But the more I thought about it, the more I realized what I was doing was idolizing that car. Amen. And so years go by, and I learned how to put Jesus first, and this was not too long ago. My wife is driving my car, the car that I drive, and I said, okay, I need you to pull it in the garage. You know, my, wife, my wife's trajectory is not perfect, so, you know, in order to get in my side of the garage, you have to pull down, take a little slight left, straighten out, then pull in. Well, my wife tried to just pull down and pull straight in. Scratched the whole side of my car. Scared to death to tell me what happened. And she said, I got something to tell you. I said, what? She said, I scratched the side of your car, pulled it in the garage. I said, baby, that's just a car. But if that would have been old me, that I spent a lot of time Polished. I, I can't even. I can't even. I can't even be so. I'm, I'm dead serious, man. I washed that car, and then I had that little microfiber clean the car. And I go out, and before I take it for a spin, it's already clean. I wipe it down again just to go for a ride. And then the next morning, I wake up. I wipe it down again just to go for another ride. I was worshiping and making it an idol. And before some of you start judging me, what idols do you have? Do you binge watch Netflix? Do you spend more time in the presence of Netflix than you do in the presence of God? Do you spend more time watching Prime than you do in the presence of God? That can be your idol. And God says, I'm not going to share myself with anything. Amen. Either you're going to put me first or you're not. And God is looking for a church, a body of believers that understands there's nothing wrong with Netflix, there's nothing wrong with Prime, there's nothing wrong with doing those things, but I cannot give things more time than I give my God. Amen, somebody. Hallelujah. So what idols do you have? Joshua chapter 24, verse 23, it says this. Now, therefore, put away foreign gods which are among you. And incline your heart to the Lord God of Israel. Because church, God, this is what I've discovered. Our God is going to always show himself glorious. I'm here to give somebody some good news. I don't know who you are, where you're sitting at, but wherever you are, our God is going to always show himself glorious. Hallelujah. Do you remember Elijah in 1 Kings Chapter 18, verses 20 through 40, it was a battle on Mount Carmel, and Elijah's there, and the servants of Baal are there, and Elijah's like, okay, okay. He says, this is what he says, verse 21, he says, Elijah came to all the people and said, how long will you falter between two opinions? 
Because the one true, li- because, because between the one true living God and, 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 and idolatry, he says, if the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, then follow Baal. And then they go into, you build an altar and I'm going to build an altar. And the God that reigns by fire is going to be the one true living God. Elijah's like, you all go first. So the servants of Baal built their altar. They sacrificed the bulls on the altar. And then they begin to shout. They begin to dance. They begin to cut themselves. And Elijah begins to make fun. Maybe, he, maybe he's not hearing you. Maybe you need to shout a little bit louder. Maybe you need to cut yourself a little bit more. So they were going crazy trying to get their God's attention. But Baal did not answer. And Elijah said, okay, enough of this buffoonery, enough of this craziness. It's my time. And the Bible says Elijah builds his altar, sacrifices the bull on the altar, and told them, wet it. Go get some more water. Wet it again. And then he says a 63-word prayer, and all of a sudden the Bible says that the fire of God rains down from heaven and licks up the altar. And I don't know if you know things about this, but watch this. Fire goes up. It doesn't come down. But when you serve the God that we serve, he has a way of coming in in a way that you don't even expect him to. Amen, somebody. Because he's going to always show himself glorious. There's another story in the scriptures, 1 Samuel chapter 5. 1 Samuel chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. The Bible says that the Philistines had captured the Ark of the Covenant. And they bring the Ark of the Covenant, which represented the presence of God, the Shekinah glory of God, the mercy seat, the presence, the raw, authentic presence of God. And then they have the nerve to take the presence of God and set it up in their temple. Right beside Dagon. Who is Dagon? So they got the ark and the presence of God set up beside Dagon. And the Bible says they set him up and they walk out and they come back in the next morning. And Dagon is bowed down in front of the ark of God. So they pick Dagon up again. Look at that. They picking their God up. Set him back in his place, walk out, come back the next morning, and the next morning his hands are cut off, his head is cut off, and he still bowed down in the presence of God. Why? Because God is not going to share his glory with anybody. Amen. And he's the one true living God, the capital G. Everybody else is lowercase g's. Amen, somebody. He always shows himself glory, glorious. And I'm here to tell somebody in this room, there's no God like the one true living God that we serve. So, in our text today, just a few observations. Just a few observations and we're done. Isaiah, Isaiah's text is another proof to us to give us further validation and, 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 and to our subject at hand that there's no God like our God. Now watch this. Let's go back through this one more time. The Bible tells us Baal and Nebo. These were Babylonian gods that they served. Watch this. These are gods that they created, gods that they made. How do we know they did it? Because it's in the text. It tells us that these idols were heavy on the beast, verse 1. The carriages were heavy loaded. They built carts to put these gods on. It was a burden to the beast. Verse 2 says they stooped and they bowed down together. And they could not deliver the burden. But the burden, the, the oxen have themselves gone into captivity. 
Verse 3 says, listen, O house of Jacob, and the remnant of the house of Israel who, uh, who are upheld by me from birth, you who have been carried away from the womb. Watch this, verse 4. Even to your old age, I am he. To your, even to your gray hairs, I will carry you. I'm so glad, church, we got a God that carries us. Amen. I don't have to be like these servants of Baal and Nebo because what's taking place is Isaiah is sitting here and he's watching a parade go through the city streets of Jerusalem and they're parading their gods that they lavish from their own minds, that they lavish from gold and silver. And you know gold and silver when you're talking about calves built, they're heavy idols that they're worshiping. And God says, even until your old age, I am he, I will carry you and I will deliver you, verse 4. He says, verse 5, to whom will you liken me and make me equal that we compare, that we should be alike? Verse 6, here it is. They lavish gold out of the bag, weigh it on the scales. They hire a goldsmith. Mm -hmm. And he makes it a god. They prostrate themselves. They, they worship. They bear it on their shoulders and they, they carry it and set it in its place. And it stands from its place and it shall not be moved, though it cries. Watch that. Last part of seven, because I'm, I'm going to make some observations in this text. And then we're going to be done today. Though one cries out to it, yet it cannot answer, nor save him out of his trouble. Listen, this check text is full with some rich stuff. Number one, they form Baal and Nebo. Verse seven and verse six is proof to it. They hire a goldsmith. The goldsmith, the, he, he forms and makes these things, and then it says they begin to worship these gods. I want you to go back to verse 2. It says they stoop, they bow down. I didn't understand this, but it's, we, we can learn a lesson from, from, from oxen. I had to do some background study on this, and I don't know anybody in this room that's old enough to know anything about oxen. Some of you may be old enough to have great-grandparents, and folks who had farms, and they had oxen on their farms. Some of you may be old enough to know something about oxen. I don't know. I said this in the first service. Please don't get offended. I don't know if it's a black culture thing or white people thing. I don't know. All I know is black folks, when they had farms back in the days and they had oxen, the oxen understood two words. They understood G and ha. G meant go left, ha meant go right. That's all I know. But I do know this from studies. When the oxen was pulling a load and the load got too heavy, we learned a lesson from the oxen today, church. The oxen would go down on their knees. And when they came up from their knees, they would budge the load a little bit further so that they can continue plowing the fields. Baal and Nebo, verse 2, they stoop, they bow down. Why? Because the load is too heavy. So we learn a lesson from the oxen. They go down on their knees and they come up trying to pull the load a little further. I don't know who I'm talking to, but I'm just trying to tell somebody, when the loads of life get too heavy for you, these oxen are letting us know today that all you need to do is go down on your knees. Amen, somebody. And when you come up off your knees... It's something about coming up off your knees that gives you a little strength to go a little bit further. Amen. Because when you go down on your knees and you begin to talk to the one true living God, hallelujah, when you come up off your knees, he gives you strength, he gives you encouragement, he gives you the power that you need to continue keeping on. Hallelujah, somebody. I love this because in the last part of this text, it lets us know, as we look at these, these few observations, they made them, 
They worship them. In verse 7, they bear it. They carry it. They carry it. I don't know about you, but I'm so glad that I serve a God that I don't have to carry him, but he carries me. <laughs> Amen, somebody. Even when I don't even think he's carrying me, he's carrying me. Even when I don't feel him carrying me, listen, he's carrying me. Even when you don't know he's there, I want you to know that he's there in your life, in your situations. Hallelujah, somebody. And I don't have to carry him. You don't have to carry our God. Our God is the one true living God that carries us. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. He said, lo, I'm with you always, even to the ends of the earth. Praise his name. Amen, somebody. We serve an amazing God, and there's nobody like the one true living God that we serve. But then they set him in his place, shall not be moved. And when they cry out to him, he can't answer, nor can he get them out of their trouble? I want to suggest to us today that this is not the one true living God that we serve. This is how we can all come to the conclusion that there's nobody like our God. Because unlike Bel and Nebo, the servants of Bel and Nebo cries out to him, but they can't hear him because they don't have ears. They got ears formed, but they can't hear him. When they cry out to him, they can't answer him. But saints of God, when we call on the one true living God, when we call on Jesus, amen, somebody. Jesus not only hears us, but he shows up to get us out of the troubles that we are in on this side of glory. Amen. That's why I know and you need to know that he is the one true living God of all lowercase gods. Amen. Can we just pause for the cause and give our great big God a hand clap of praise? There is no God like our God. There is no God. Can you encourage two or three people in your circle? Point at them and tell them there's no God like our God. There's no God like our God. There's no God like our God. How do we know there's no God like our God? Because I want you to know today as I prepare to come to a close, the God we serve, Jesus died on Calvary, and when Jesus died on Calvary, he died on Calvary given. What did he do? He died on Calvary given. He, he forgave you and he forgave me. He loved every human being, and Jesus, the God we serve, the God that there's nobody like him, he died given us. He, he gave his back to the tree. He died given church. He gave his hands to the nails. He died given church. He gave his feet, amen, to the spikes. He died given us. He, 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 he took the spear in his side. He gave his, 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 his head to the thorns. He died forgiving you and he died forgiving me. But I want you to know that that's enough to celebrate, but that's not what the story ends. The great God that we serve, not only did he die given, I want you to know today when he got up, he got up taken. Amen. What did he take? Well, I got good news for you today. He took the sting out of death. He took victory from the grave. He took the keys from the devil. He took away your sins and he took away my sins. Now somebody give him some praise in this house today. That's the God I'm talking about. And as I said many times before, if you got little stuff that you were forgiven for, then you give a little praise. But some of y'all got some great stuff that God forgave you of. 
And the greater sins, the greater stuff that he forgave you for, that's the greater reason why you need to give him a praise. But I don't care if it was little or great. He's a great big God that looks, that sits high, and he looks low, and he loves every single one of us. Hallelujah, somebody. And that's why we praise him. And I believe today that God is looking for a body of believers that's going to put him first. He's looking for a body of believers that's going to say, Lord, my spouse doesn't come before you. My career doesn't come before you. As a matter of fact, God, Psalm 75, 6 and 7 says, promotion comes neither from the east, the west, nor the south. It comes from above. Everything I got, God, it's because of you. Hallelujah, somebody. Everything. The Bible says all good and perfect gifts come from above. Everything I got, the salvation that, I, that I'm living, God, it came from you. My spouse came from you, God. My career, it came from you, God. And I thank you for my spouse. I thank you for my career. But I'm not going to put anything before I put you. Instead, I'm going to praise you for it. But I'm going to do what Matthew 6.33 says. I'm going to seek first the kingdom of God. His righteousness. I'm going to put you first, God. And I'm going, to, I'm going to understand that if I seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, everything else is going to be added to my life. And I don't know who I'm talking to in this room today, but I feel that, that somebody in this room has been faltering in their faith. But this is why the Bible says, be not weary in doing good. For in due season, you'll reap if you faint not. I'm here to tell somebody there's a due season that's getting ready to, to, to happen in your life. I don't know when, where, time. I don't know. I can't tell you all that. But keep on being faithful to God. Keep on serving God. And the Bible says if you faint not, you'll reap. You'll reap. Why? Because we serve a God that neither sleeps nor slumbers. Hallelujah, somebody. He's, he's always looking down on us. He's always, always stirring his presence in the midst of us trying to get glory. And I, I feel like somewhere or another in the hustle and bustle of life, sometimes we forget how great our God is. We get so busy. We get so caught up in the things of this world. But God wants me to remind every single one of us, there's no God like our God. Come on, can you stand on your feet and give him a great big hand clap of praise? There's no God. There's no God. There's no God. <laughs> oh, God, there's no God. I, I feel the anointing. There's no God. There's no God. Nobody. No thing. Nothing. There's nobody like our God. He's the one true living God. He's El Elyon. He's, he's the most high God. He's El Shaddai. He's the Lord that is more than enough. Come on, somebody. There's no God. He's Jehovah Jireh. He's our provider. He's Jehovah Shammah. He's our peace. There's no God that's like the God that you and I serve. And that's the reason why we praise him. That's the reason why we serve him. That's the reason why I don't know about you, but I got to give him my all. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Bless your name, God. Hallelujah. And maybe, maybe, just maybe somebody's backslidden in the room. Maybe somebody don't know in the room today this God that I'm talking about. This is your defining moment. 
If you want to know this one true living God that I'm talking about that has nobody like him, you've tried everything else and it has failed, this is your defining moment to say, Lord, I confess my sins. I believe what your word says, Lord, that if I believe in my heart the Lord Jesus Confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus. Believe in my heart that God has raised them from the dead. Lord, I shall be saved. So, Lord, I confess my sins. I'm a sinner. I repent of my sins. I turn from my wicked ways and I, I turn to you, God. If you do that today, then you can get to know the one true living God that I'm talking about in this room today. And yes, there's nobody like him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, how many witnesses are in the house today that can testify to your circle, there's nobody like my God? Will you just lift your hand and just turn around right where you are and let folks in your circle know there's nobody like my God? Come on, turn around. Come on, operate with me. Turn around in your circle. Let somebody in your circle know, yeah, I'm talking to you. There's nobody like my God. There's nobody greater, none more able. There's nobody. Come on, somebody. Bless his holy name. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings. Our service times are 9 o'clock and 1045. For more information, please visit us at highpraises.org.